Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Today, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, keeps a close watch over the ingredients and manufacturing processes that make drugs in America. Clinical trials are closely watched, and there is extreme regulation that goes into ensuring that every tablet of ibuprofen contains exactly the same dose, and that is only one medication in thousands. This regulation is worth the reward, however, as the biopharmaceutical industry in America is 3.2% of our GDP, valued at $625 billion. That represents almost half of the market for the entire world. America makes up 40% of the biopharmaceutical companies. What the fuck? By valuation. However, the rules weren't always so strict. And the FDA didn't even exist under that name until the 1930s. So how did it come to be? Well, unfortunately, humans are not very proactive beings. We are extremely reactive. The tight regulations on the industry came mostly because of a few tragedies that happened along the way. So join us this week as we discuss some of these tragedies and the lasting impact that they've had on one of the most profitable and evil businesses in our country today on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Yeah, fuck the healthcare industry in this country. Yeah, health healthcare is, you know, obviously broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're about to see it was a little bit more broken uh, previously, though. So I guess it's good. I, you get better. Mm-hmm. Better. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about, uh, I think I even mentioned it later, but we did a small claims court episode. I don't know if you ever listened to it. No. Um, but I did a small claims court episode on rectal dilators that was shut down by the FDA that were basically butt plugs um, for hemorrhoids. And they had like, they had a poison. For hemorrhoids. That they're still prescribed in really, really severe cases of hemorrhoids to this day where other. You get a butt plug just so like your anus isn't touching it. It like pushes it. It like puts pressure on it, which I guess helps it in really severe cases. It can. If you've tried everything else I think and, and you still, you're, you know, your butthole still hurts and, you know, I think still I there. have hemorrhoids. You can just buy one. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. You can just buy one. AdamandEve.com, not a sponsor. Uh, or, just go but, on but, there. But let us know if you'd like to sponsor. Oh, dude, we'd love it. We'd love it. We'll sling dildos for you. I don't care. No, yeah. I have, you know, I, I I have less pride than saying no to a dildo sponsorship. Are you kidding me? There, I, at this point, there's very few things that I would say no to for a sponsorship. We did say no to one once. You said no. I said no. You wanted to do it, but you'll you'll shell out for anything. Almost everything. Almost anything. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. I'm Kashan, joined and, by... And I'm Nina. And we're here to talk uh, about some of the tragedies that led to all the regulations in the pharmaceutical industry. Because, like we said, huge industry. We've touched on it a couple of times. Um, Valiant Pharmaceuticals we talked about. Uh, Martin Shkreli and Daraprim and the price gouging. Uh, we talked about Health HealthSouth. Uh, a, lot, a lot of our 
our episodes have focused on healthcare companies because they're worth a lot of money and a lot of things happen there. And they're shitty. And they're shitty. They seem because it's particularly evil when you're doing financial crimes in the healthcare business. Yeah, no, it's horrible. Because you're literally dealing with human lives uh, directly, yeah. not just indirectly, like in some of our other cases. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and today's fun for me because I'm getting my master's in biotechnology, which is one of the big main parts of the pharmaceutical industry. So I know a little bit about him. Actually, all of today's research comes from primary scientific literature. I can actually, I can actually say that today. Your boy fancy, your boy smart and your boy fancy. Your girl, not smart and your girl, not fancy. Your girl don't know what we're talking about. Well, and that's why you're here. You represent the everyman. Uh, Yeah. So let's get right into it. In 1906, A man by the name of Upton Sinclair released his novel, The Jungle. Uh, The Jungle is a very convoluted story. I read the whole synopsis. It's very long and has a lot of things in it. I don't know why, but doesn't look like a long book. But it's about a Lithuanian immigrant who moves to Chicago at the turn of the century and learns through a series of tragedies that the American dream doesn't work. And in the end, he turns to socialism as the means to an end. It's like it was supposed to be like a big book, like socialism, good, capitalism, bad. What's the other book though? I was thinking the jungle, but I was. It's another book about the meat industry, the farm, farmhouse, farm, the pig pen, the animal farm, animal farm. I don't think that's about the meat industry. It's about a bunch of. It's about like a, a communist society set up on a farm run by pigs. Oh. Mm, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Good book. You're close. You're like, <laughs> you're like right there. But yeah, can missed. you tell I didn't you know? read either of them? Yeah. I, you know what's funny? I haven't read either of them. All right, that makes me feel so. Better. I've been meaning to pick up Animal Farm though, so it should be good. But he does work in a meatpacking plant, but that's only part of it because it's Chicago. I don't know if you know this. Turn of the century, the slaughterhouse capital. Yes, we of were. America. We were. We packaged all the meat. We will meet people. We okay? are the meats. And we've gotten away from our roots. We need to go back to meat here in Chicago, okay? Honestly, I used to work at a butcher shop, so I know a lot about meat. That's right. You've told a couple of stories. Yep. There could have a couple of meat handling stories on yep. there. And you also talked about being a butcher sometimes. I oh, what a do, 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 do. Uh, So when the jungle was released, no one cared about the socialist propaganda in it. Well, I mean, like some people did. They were like, they lambasted it because it was socialist propaganda. But the regular people cared about the grotesque details that were in the book about the meatpacking company that the main character worked at only for a small part in the book. It was like a, like two chapters or something out of this long book. He worked in a meatpacking uh, facility. And the book described these companies packing diseased meat and even described like a worker just falling into one of the, the vats and just they just kept it going and just packaged him in. I believe it, though. No, this was the book I was thinking about. This is the one? Yes, this is the one I was thinking about. Yeah, well, all of these stories sparked disgust among the American people, and an investigative team was put together by the government to check it out. And it turns out that in real life, a lot of the disgusting things that he described in the book, minus the people getting ground up into the meat, they never found any instances of that, uh, but they were actually occurring. They were based in real life. I Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Pink Slime. That was a big deal in uh, yeah. like 2014 that and McDonald's was using pink slime. Who cares, man? They put, you know, you put enough salt 
in anything and slap a piece of cheese on it and me and more than so half the nation good. will eat it. Yeah. All right. Like when people are like, do they see a hot dog? They're like, you know what goes into that? You're still going to eat it? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking going to eat it because it tastes good with ketchup on it. Yep. Oh, don't tell anyone else in Chicago that I put ketchup on my hot dogs. Please. I put ketchup on my hot dogs. I don't oh, care. thank God. I can't leave this room though. Any of you out there that live in Chicago, don't please, tell us. please don't, don't tell on us. Please don't tell anybody. We don't want to get burned they, with a steak. I don't know why they care about that, but it's so good. Yeah, whatever. They freak out about everything. We're also not from Chicago. That's, That's probably true. why we do it. Um, but prompted by the public's outrage from the book a year after its release in 1906, Theodore Roosevelt signed the Pure Food and Drug Act into law. To both stop the disgustingness that was the food industry, uh, the food quality at the time, but also in a better effort to crack down on quack medical devices. Once again, like the dilators that I had talked about before. Uh, but quackery had also been giving a lot of medicines that contained alcohol and opium to babies at Fuck this time. Fuck yeah, turn up. But to be fair, uh, yeah, these babies were fucking crunk. Pour some yeah. scissor up in that baby bottle. Let's Fuck get going. Yeah. Uh, this was also at the same time they had those like cages for babies outside windows though. So what like, are you talking? Oh, about? you never saw that? They literally advertised these like cages you like you could put in windows on like multiple story buildings that you could and so they could get fresh air. I'm looking this up. Oh yeah, bro, it's real. <laughs> How do baby window cages? Yep, that'll work. Am I gonna get flagged for this? I mean, yeah, baby window not, cage. Not more than I have. Oh my god! There you go. It's a real product. What the hell? There's a baby in a cage outside of a window. That is terrifying. So they can get fresh air, man. And that's like this is. <laughs> by the way, yeah, the picture is in like New York, and it is like, or it looks like New York, and it's like got to be at least like the fiftieth story. That you're just putting your baby Here's, There's a picture of this lady just looking at her baby like, oh, hey, baby. Yep. Wild. These were the good old days. You could just do stuff like this. You can't do this now. Well, that's because no one cared if, you know, if a baby died. Everyone died. It was the turn of the century. Hey, let them go in style. God damn it. Might as well be free while you can. Here's one where they uh, hung them up on the clothesline. Uh, they're alive. They're hung by clothespins. Yeah, they're alive. <laughs> live babies. Wow. I did, I don't know how I didn't know about this. Well, now you do. Jesus. Now you do. And it doesn't make you feel any better that those babies in that cage might have been drunk off their ass from some cough medicine. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. They All wouldn't right. have been scared. Well, cool. Then we're good. Um, I'm going to tell my sister-in-law to get this for her baby. Here's a baby smoking a cigarette like the Lord intended. Oh, fuck yeah. We got to get back. This is when this this is when Ameri America this is when America was great, great again. Exactly, right? make America great again. Have these babies smoking. <laughs> give them opium. Put them in a cage outside. So finally, some regulation was installed. But S Sinclair, the writer of the Jungle, famously later said, "I aimed at the public's heart, and by accident, <laughs> I hit it in its stomach." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no one listened to my socialist part. All they want to do is talk about how meat's gross. Uh, the act required a few things that are still seen in medicines uh, to this day, uh, like requiring the active ingredients to be listed on the packaging. That wasn't a thing before. Uh, and requiring purity levels for medicines. They were like, okay, you, you got to like prove that these have a certain amount of purity. Um, in specific, they had to put ingredients on the label. Hey, that to were... prove their purity, do they have to bleed after you use them? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta stick your finger in the top and, and see, and if, see it if bleeds, the, see if the hymen is still intact. Yeah, and then yeah. you can take it. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, uh, they had to put on the label uh, ingredients that were deemed addictive, like opium or cannabis. Um, 
Also, it stopped the selling of some other like drug quote unquote products that were being sold at the time, like radioactive water. That was the thing. People thought that that it would it would strengthen your health drinking some drinking some radioactive water. Oh, also, okay. there was a mascara at this time that was making people blind Jesus. when you put it on. So all these together kind of culminated in the uh, the pure Food and Drug Act of 1906. Uh, at the time, the government agency that oversaw the production of therapeutics was known as the U.S. Bureau of Chemistry. But the FD, the FDA proper would be established from the fallout of today's first story. So, the American government finally got drug makers to put that there was heroin in their baby's cough medicine. Woo, big win for the government. My God. Uh, there was something still they didn't require, however, and that was any sort of pre-market safety testing. Perfect. You had to list what was on there. But you didn't have to, like... It could kill you. Yeah, you, they didn't have to, you know... No see warning if it was of okay. side effects. Yeah, if it kills them, that's for them to figure out. Who cares? Um, as you can probably foresee, uh, this was about to change. In 1932, a German doctor, about 10 years before German doctors were not the best people to spend an evening with, named Dr. Ugh, I don't know. Domach? Domach? This, yeah. I don't know. He, he found that an industrial dye... I don't know how he did this, by the way. He found that an, an industrial dye just happened to stop strep infections in mice. He just had some mice with a cough. And then he was like, here, drink this. And he was like, happens. you'd look cool purple. And then he's like, where'd your cough go? Like, oh, fuck. You're <gasps> oh my not purple, God. but... You're not purple, but you stopped coughing. Oh, my God. This is awesome. I don't know why I think you'd turn purple if I made you drink the dye. Uh Oh, he's German. Sorry. I don't know if I would turn purple if I made you drink the dye. dye. Uh, sorry, any Germans out there? Uh, no, I'm not. This <laughs> you're you're German. You I can I can mess with you. Sorry, yeah. you deserve it for at least another hundred years. Uh, this doctor then went on to use the dye to treat strep infections in humans, including his own daughter. It was a different time, and the son of FDR who no doubt had also contracted this disease like his father contracted his by eating Eleanor yeah. Roosevelt's ass. <laughs> that is, listen, I'm going on record in saying that FDR got polio from eating Eleanor Roosevelt's ass. You already did. You don't have to go back I'm on record. I'm going on record for the second this time. Is, we've finally been doing this for so long that we that we have callbacks from like a I year know, and a yeah, half ago. we do. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to the polio episode. The, the cutter incident is what it's called. It's not called the polio episode. But go yes. to the cutter incident and you'll learn what we're talking about. Eleanor Roosevelt had polio in her asshole and she gave it to her husband. It's it's canon. I'm sorry. We said it a year and a half ago. Uh, but Dr. Domach, by the way, he won a Nobel Prize for this discovery. You can win a Nobel Prize for everything. In the 1900s, you could. He, did, he found a medicine that treated strep. You know, it, it was pretty wild. That, was, I mean, I guess that is, would be pretty revolutionary. This was before pre-antibiotics. Like, you died really easily from basically anything. Bro, if I would have been born back then, I would have been dead already. Like, 200 years ago, you had the same risk of dying from a broken femur as you did 20,000 years ago. That is kind of crazy. Yeah. The main ingredient in this new wonder drug was found to uh, be something with a long and boring name. But it also had a short and boring name, and that's sulfanilamide. That's the short name? That's the short name. I don't remember. Sounds pretty long to me. I don't remember the long name. The long name is like Good gravy. multiple things, uh, like one, four, 
well, it's not one for butendiol, but that's like the the one for butt dial. Yep, one for butt dial. Oh, you know, I need this. After being around scientists all day, I need this. Um, so sulfonilamide was tested on both animals and humans. They did testing now for some reason. They weren't required to at this point. Um, and was found to be widely effective uh, in treating strep infections. Uh, and that was through all legal channels. And it had been used for a while to treat, to treat these infections. It was still used kind of close to today, even, um, to treat infections until antibiotics. So, like, that's like 50 years ago, but whatever. Um, sulfonylamide as a substance was already known uh, from about 30 years before. That's the first time it was synthesized in the early 1900s. So, it was no longer patent protected. Patents only last for 20 years. So, all the big pharma companies got in on the action, including some names still around today, like Merck and Eli Lilly. Oh, yeah. Everybody, those household names. I think most people who know anything about the medical industry would know. Eli Lilly's the one who, I makes, have heard insu- of that one. who makes insulin. Merck is, is another big uh, pharmaceutical manufacturer in Germany. See, you don't know. Belgium. I just, I'm just, you know, I'm bad at geography. You are terrible. We at know geography. this. That's the one thing I am better than you at. This has been presented before. There's evidence, a lot of it. Um, originally, the medication was made and sold by these companies as tablets which worked well for applications to most people. Well, everyone except for children who constantly came down with strep throat because they're nasty now. Can you imagine how much grosser a child was in the 1930s? No. Disgusting. Foul. They don't wash. They want, you know, imagine if you like kids now, if they didn't get a bath for three months at a time. Do you really think in the thirties they were going that long without a bath? They were going a while. The, well, it the was regular the Great Depression. kid, you know, they couldn't afford soap. Yeah, and they're working like fourteen hours a day. They smell like cigarette smoke. They're drunk off their ass. <laughs> they're taking heroin. Yeah, they're fucking taking heroin. But don't worry, it said it was in it on the label, so it's completely safe. Yeah, they're probably dirty AF. In yeah. the dust bowl was happening. Yeah, they're dusty as shit. Dusty as hell. Well, all these working gr- in a factory. <laughs> Drinking, smoking in a cage outside. They're missing like three fingers. They were airing them like, out. What's up, what's up, toots? They said that it was for the babies to get fresh air. They were just airing them out because yeah. they stank. True. Then, then, then kids be stanky. <laughs> you, you can't say that most times, but in context, it's okay here. I mean, kids do stink a lot. They do. They do be stanky. Well, Shit. They like fart all the time. It's so gross. They do be farting. Uh, Bitches well, be farting. <laughs> All these gross-ass children kept getting strep, but they were babies, sometimes literally, and they didn't like taking the tablets. It's the fucking depression, kid. Buck up. Yeah. Take a pill. Jesus. Anyway. It's like food. You know, swallow it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to. Never mind. Uh, Anyway, a company known as the S.E. Massengill Company began looking for a way to make the tablets into a liquid a liquid form for children. The only issue is that sulfonylamide is really hydrophobic, which means, just for you, Nina, uh, much like Jason from the Friday the 13th, it's really afraid of water. Oh, like the Wicked Witch of the West? Yes, yeah. So sulfonylamide is like the Wicked Witch of the West. It doesn't like water. It doesn't like being mm. in water. Luckily, though, after testing many different solvents... They found the perfect one. It was 
colorless, didn't didn't carry much of a smell, and was even naturally sweet tasting. Ooh. It's perfect. They slapped some sulfonilamide in that bitch and some raspberry flavoring and released their new medication, Elixir Sulfonilamide. Well, here's the thing, though. That tasteless, mostly odorless liquid was something known as diethylene glycol, which, much like a school, like a high school theater kid, is one die away from doing something reckless. Because they're always dyeing their hair. I should have taken that out. <laughs> It'll probably be out now. As a theater child who didn't dye their hair? Yeah, but you were in a Christian place. Wow. You know, imagine there was probably someone who did, though, and everyone was like, they worship the Satan. Because they got, she's got purple in her hair, and that's in a front. We to couldn't go. have fun colors at our school. See? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're one die away from doing something reckless. Uh, <laughs> ethylene glycol which is like diethylene glycol, you'd be surprised. Uh, of course, not everyone knows the chemical names of liquids they pour into their cars, but ethylene glycol is commonly known as antifreeze. Oh, my God. It is antifreeze. Uh, but- You're supposed to feed that to the stray cats in the neighborhood, not children. Oh, my God. You, it's almost, you didn't know this, but I didn't know this. Uh, Jesse told me the other day... Uh, they warn you not to leave it out after you've taken it out of your car because cats will drink it because yeah. it smells sweet and they will fucking die. Uh, also, you don't drink it. Don't don't do that. Yeah, it, don't it is drink sweet though. Freeze. Take our. I know it looks like Mountain Dew. Okay, it does. It looks like it even smells a little bit like Mountain Dew, and it probably even tastes a little like Mountain Dew. All of that aside, don't drink it, even though you really want to. Is don't Mountain drink it. Dew actually antifreeze? If it is, I'd be very dead by now. I've had so much Mountain Dew in my lifetime. I am trash. I don't like Mountain Dew. Oh, you're white trash. How can you not like Mountain Dew? That's really don't. not white trash. My grandma Nana. makes a Mountain Dew cake. That sounds fucking so good. I eat the fuck out of that. Me, I like me and your cake me and your better. grandma got to hook up sometime. Uh, Ew, she probably would like. Uh, she has been lonely. My grandpa died in 2019. She can she can bake me one of the Mountain Dew cakes, and we can just fucking. Watch some NASCAR and just fucking do whatever we feel. You Fox know? News is more her jam. <sighs> Ruined it. Uh, so di- So diethylene glycol is very close to ethylene glycol. Uh, but water, of course, is one oxygen away from peroxide. So is it really dangerous? Yes, it's really dangerous. I was going to say probably. Uh, elixir sulfonilamide was a whopping 72% diethylene glycol. And in 1937, the S.E. Massingale Company produced and shipped 240 gallons of the stuff to the children of America. Uh, during the few months that the drug was on the market, 353 people were exposed to the drug, which is actually a lot less than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And out of these 353, 105 people. 34 children and 71 adults were soon dead from kidney failure. Those who weren't outright dead dealt with nausea, abdominal pain, and liver damage okay, as well. Okay, but was their strep throat gone? I would assume so. All right, so yeah. quit your bitching. You're right. You're right. Yay, you were lucky to make it this far in the 1930s, honestly. Uh, one doctor who had prescribed the medication to six people had this very dark quote after the incident had begun. <clears throat> Gotta get into character. All right. What would a doctor from the 1930s sound like? Well, you know, they all kind of talked like this, all you right. see. So like the radio voice? Yeah. Nobody but God Almighty and I can know what I have been through in these past few days. 
but to realize that six human beings, all of them my patients, one of them my best friend, are dead because they took medicine that I prescribed for them innocently, and to realize that the medicine that I have used for years in such cases suddenly had become a deadly poison in its newest and most modern form, as recommended by a great and reputable pharmaceutical firm in Tennessee. Well, that realization has given me such days and nights of mental spiritual agony as I did not believe a human being could undergo and survive. I have spent hours on my knees. Once I had done all any physician could do for his patients, I have known many hours when death for me would be a welcome relief from this agony. Oof. Hey, I said it was dark. I didn't say it was going to be a walk through the through the fucking flowers. I, mean, I, I feel for him. He didn't know he was going to like hurt his friends. No, especially because sulfonilamide was like no, right? And it was chill. It was cool. And he was just like, eh, maybe the raspberry flavor is better. And then he fucking killed six people. Wild. Uh, the medicine was recalled by the company. And just a year later, the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act was passed and gave the FDA the authority to oversee the safety of food, drugs, Medical devices, that's not true, oversee the safety of food, drugs, and cosmetics. At the time, they had overseen the labeling for these items, but not the safety. Interesting. Uh, by the way, I know that the for all the nerds out there that might be correct, um, Kushan, actually, you said in the intro that the that the FDA wasn't created until the 1930s. I know that it was created in the 1927s. 1927 in 1927 god damn it but they didn't operate as we know them today until the this bill was passed in 1938 so don't come for me okay you know what's wild nerds is, is my grandfather was born in 1938 well then he was born when the fda when this bill was passed that's not that long ago no this is very like, recent I, I know that's 85 years ago but for this sort of thing that's really not that long no, no. frightening uh, the bill signed into law by the new Roosevelt this time. FDR, it was Theodore Roosevelt the first time. Now it's FDR. Of, yeah, now it's ass-eating, ass-eating Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Well, you, you look at Teddy Roosevelt. You tell me he didn't eat an ass. Oh, he totally ate he, ass. Absolutely. That's what the mustache is for. Uh, Save it for later. It's a tickle. Ah! Uh, <laughs> this new law required that the toxicity of drugs be tested before marketing. Uh, but believe it or not, some things were still missing from our regulation as it is today. This also made it so that the FDA had to approve drugs before getting put on. They had to go through an approval process, finally. Good. Um, animal testing wasn't standardized, and there was no requirement for a drug to be effective for it to be sold. What? These would change with our second story, however. All right. So fast forward 24 years from the sulfonilamide scandal to 1953, and a Swiss pharmaceutical company by the name of CIBA had just discovered a new medication that would put them on the map. Not in a great way. They discovered what they thought would be a sedative, and it worked really well as it was able to produce a restful sleep that didn't have a hangover effect and seemed to not have any dependency issues. Additionally, in mice, it seemed as if it did not show any lethality at almost any level. They tried going up really high, and it, they, couldn't, it, they couldn't find a lethal dose of it. Uh, so another 
So they knew that another elixir sulfonilamide could be avoided. It's not going to kill people. Yeah. Uh, This new drug also appeared to be able to treat nausea effectively, uh, especially in pregnant women who were dealing with morning sickness. Originally distributed in Germany, it was available without a prescription because it had no lethality and became the leading sedative, selling an estimated 14.6 tons of the stuff in 1960 alone. That is a lot. It is a lot. If you haven't guessed already, the name of this medication was thalidomide. And the problem with thalidomide is that they had tested for lethality in mice, but they never tested the medication on pregnant mice. But thalidomide was now being used widely by pregnant mothers. It wasn't really often used for a sedative. It was more used by pregnant mothers because it had such good, I think it's called anti-emetic abilities, like anti-nausea abilities. Um, So you seem to know, and I think you guys seem to know too, where this is going. As 5,000 children, now known as the children of thalidomide, were born with birth defects. Uh, mostly limb and bone abnormalities, such as shorter arms, extra limbs, missing limbs, swapped limbs, you know, arms where legs should be and the other way around. Um, Also, longer than normal bones, heart problems, stuff like that, deafness, blindness. Um, Looking like a Bucky Bailey. Looking worse, almost worse than Bucky Bailey. Yeah, Bucky and Bailey. Five thousand of them instead of Bucky what, what Bailey was it, didn't seven? have like legs for arms and arms for legs. No, and I think was it only like seven women, right? In in that case, in the I Dupont think case, so. it was Dupont, right? Yeah, yeah. Oof, because they specifically got pregnant women, right? That was wild. That was wild. They like yeah. specifically employed pregnant women, and this was specifically for pregnant women. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, drugs and pregnant women just usually don't mix. No. You know, no. I think we've learned that. Uh, but in 1961, William McBride, an Australian obstetrician, made observations linking definitively thalidomide or linking, originally linking thalidomide with these birth defects. And his findings were later supported by other studies all over the world. And the drug was withdrawn from most markets by the end of 1961, but not before an estimated 10,000 children were affected by the drug. These poor kids, they were really effed up. There's some of these children that are still alive today, too. What? Yeah, because they were born in the early 60s, so they, they're they only like 60 years old right now. Is there a documentary about this? Oh, almost definitely. I have to watch it tonight. Like like I said, I did all the research today from primary scientific literature. All right, so here I thought I was going to finish the Love is Blind finale, but really I'm going to be watching <laughs> A documentary on thalidomide. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's rough. Um, oh, they, we, Kashan showed me some pictures of these thalidomide babies. Oh, that'll be on our TikTok. It's for our TikTok. They're today. effed up, dude. Sorry if they're you're listening, but like, I'm sorry. Yeah, they did you dirty. They really did you dirty. They did you dirty. Um, People are like, oh, I can walk on my hands. Yeah, you can walk on your hands because you don't have any legs. Your legs are arms. Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. You ain't got no legs. They're hands. Oh. It's really weirding me out. Uh, the drug, by the way, did not make much of an impact here in America, however, as the drug was actually denied for approval in America when Ooh. they filed under a different name than thalidomide. Um, and it wasn't approved by the FDA thanks to Dr. Francis 
Kelsey, who is the FDA officer assigned to review the thalidomide application and her decision to- A woman! Oh, yeah. Her decision to block the medication was largely based on the possibility it had to cause another life-threatening disease, peripheral uh, neuritis or peripheral neuropathy. Um, But for her efforts in stopping thalidomide, she was one of the first women to win the President's Award for Distinguished Federal Civilian Service. Wow, that's incredible. Yep. And this is the 1960s, remember. So she's a female doctor in the 1960s. I really did think it was going to be a man because Francis can be a man's name. Oh, yeah. And so I assumed it was a man. But it's not. No. And she saved a lot know, of children. thousands of children from being born with birth defects. Yeah, because you know people would have been drinking that stuff. Hell yeah. You ever been a little bit? You ever had a tummy ache? Hell of course, yeah. Of course you had. If I'd I wasn't it. pregnant, I'd drink some thalidomide, sure. I don't know if I was, maybe. I'm never going to get pregnant, so give me all the thalidomide. All right. Well, You're funny not. you say that because thalidomide, by the way, after disappearing for many decades, has now returned. And because in the early 2000s, it was tested and found effective as a chemotherapy for certain cancers. Mm. And it's still used today to treat, um, I think it's multiple cell myeloma, if that means anything yeah, to absolutely. anyone else. Um, so it's back. Uh, still, the tragedy made America recognize even more regulation would do well. And in 1962, the Kefauver... I think it's Kefauver, Kefauver, whatever. Harris drug amendments were signed into law by JFK. This allowed the FDA to closely oversee every step of the drug development process and now required animal testing before human testing and tightened the rules for companies to prove their drug was not only safe, but effective as well. Okay, I have a question. Yes. So... Kashan said I could ask him questions because he actually knows about this. Stuff. I did, and I hope that wasn't a bad <laughs> wasn't so, a bad thing to say. Here's my question. Uh huh. PETA. Yeah. Not people eating tasting animals. Uh huh. The ones who want to protect the animals. Uh huh. A lot of people are very against animal testing. Mm-hmm. So clearly, the FDA needs these drugs to be tested on animals before distributing them to the public. For most of the time, yeah. So if it's done, so I guess my question is, is like, is there a way to test these things without them being tested on animals? Wow. Actually, great question. Um, because so for a long time, like, yes, they've had to use animal testing yeah. um, in pigs, dogs, and and mice, primarily mice. Um, there have been entire regulatory agencies just for the overseeing of animal testing though so you have to do it in a way that is the most humane possible um if you do any sort of like surgeries on them you have to use anesthetic kind of things like if you do surgery on a mouse you have to use an anesthetic a local or a full anesthetic a general anesthetic uh, to put them under um you have to keep things clean there are surprise inspections for it so for a long time there wasn't a way to do it without animals but they did try their best to make sure that it was done humanely and I think they were at least decently good about it in a lot of research places. However, just earlier this year, uh, Biden, the Biden administration, signed uh, an amendment that lets that doesn't require it anymore, as long as a suitable alternative can be shown. 
What would the suitable alternative be? So now that computing power has gotten so good, they're looking at using computer models uh, for how drugs interact with, with certain organs. And they have these things called organs on a chip as well, where they've been able to like grow kidney cells like glomeruli that are in kidneys in these little chips where they can flow through like fluid channels, the medication and see if it causes any tissue damage. Interesting. In the site, in the site where you want it to be active. Oh, and that's to show obviously preliminary safety before doing small scale human tests. So they they are trying, that's probably not going to be a thing for at least another 10 years. But I was. Talk- but it's been passed. I was talking to the person at my university that actually teaches our regulatory science class about this today, and he was saying that it's the first time that the FDA has been proactive. We talked about how they're usually reactive. This is the first time they're being proactive about be- getting out in front of an issue before it's it's an issue. They say this could be possible in the future, so let's see. Let's open the door for it now. That's pretty cool. So, good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome that they're doing that, but I still don't have bodily autonomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think most of the people that work in this industry would want it, but the people that that don't want you to have bodily autonomy also don't want uh, probably medications for some reason. They're like Christ, some of them Christian, Christian scientists, those people. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, great-great-grandma was a Christian scientist. Oh, my God. Died of breast cancer because she wouldn't get treated. Well, that's what happens. Yep. Um, Of course, some things do still slip through the cracks about the effectiveness of drugs. Uh, Even in recent approvals, uh, you might have heard about the Alzheimer's drug, Adelhelm. Uh, The drug was approved by the FDA, uh, but it has come out that the clinical trials done for the drug weren't really effective at showing that it actually does anything. Mm. And they actually think it doesn't work. Some people Shit. think it works, but it, but, but like the, it was inconclusive and they're only supposed to approve drugs that are shown to be effective. Yeah. Uh, it has, it has to do with these things. What people in Al- with Alzheimer's have this buildup of something called beta amyloid plaques. Okay. So they, they found a way to get rid of it, but they, it was never shown that getting rid of the plaques actually causes the disease to stop progressing. Okay. So we don't know. But they approved it anyway. Mm. So, whatever. Um, also, we have talked about how uh, issues that... We've talked about issues that still persist, obviously, to this day uh, in the realm of dependence or addiction. Uh, much like how quacks were putting opium and cough syrup not too long ago. We were giving fentanyl to people. We have a whole episode about that. Yeah. So. That was about eight years ago. Yeah, that was you bad. Know? That was really fucking bad so we're not saying it's perfect but you know it's at least come a little bit yeah of a way um so one one final story for today um and we've saved the chronologically last for last uh as just a few years after the thalidomide incident uh a company known as the dalkin corporation released an interuterine device uh commonly known as an iud yeah so my mom has told me about this before did she have it no but she that is why when i have talked about getting an iud or thought about it she was like don't do it continue all right uh which acts as a contraceptive so you can goosh inside without (laughs) worrying about how to make dino nugs or pay for a goddamn liberal arts degree all right yeah no iud yeah the weight is off your shoulders yeah 99 percent effective they say 99.9 0.9% uh, effective. Uh, yeah. However, 
People will tell you that children have been delivered with the IUD lodged into their brain. That is not true. They've been delivered with them holding the IUD and saying, fuck you. That is none of this is true. Please (laughs) stop the misinformation. Uh, This is fake news. I have heard people say that, though. I, they have the pictures too it's of the baby just holding statue the, yeah. of libertying like, the IUD. There's no way. Uh, They're like, I will come. Uh, and people, by the way, loved fucking with even less fear of consequences uh, for their actions than condoms because this thing was in 2.8 million women in the United States alone and was mi- widely marketed as being safer than birth control pills at the time, which maybe it was. I don't know what birth control pills were like at that time. Uh, the device looks nothing like the sleek T design of modern IUDs and instead looks like a fucking horseshoe crab. If you know what that is, you stick up your pussy. Oh my god. See, it looks like a horseshoe crab. I'm afraid of it. You put the thing you put that thing in your uterus. I would rather not put that thing in my uterus. Like that's the thing is Oh my god. It's like this they look it looks like it would cut your um uterus. Right? I don't know how they got that because, like, IUDs. Multi load. The IUDs, that T, they like fold out when they go in. So I have no idea how you got that horseshoe crab in there. I don't know how you. You know? Uh, Like modern IUDs, though, it did have a piece of cord attached to it so that if you wanted to, you could turn yourself into a chainsaw at least once. But just once, one time. Uh, The only problem was that the cord was composed of porous microfilaments inside of a sheath. And the sheath tended to hold on to bacteria. And those little buggers could do their best sperm impression climbing up the cord and straight into your uterus. Sorry, what? Say this again. What? So you have the little horseshoe crab. Yeah. All right. That goes through your cervix into the uterus. Okay. Uh Um, And then there's a a little cord that comes out. Uh That's how you take it out. Yeah. All right. The strings. Yes. At this time, they were made with a porous substance. So they could like, you know, like liquid and like stuff can go into it. Oh. So little bacteria would grow on it and go into, oh, go into the filament. Jesus Christ. This is like when we talked about the tampons. Yeah. And they'd, they'd go through, they'd go through your, the cervical opening and into the uterus where back where it, they're usually stopped by, this is gross, but I'll say it anyway. There's a, there's a cervical mucus uh-huh. that usually keeps bacteria out of the uterus, but because. Is that what discharges? Uh, partially probably, uh, but it would go up. It, oh. it would go through that because the, the cord would be going through. So obviously not good. Uh, and although preliminary data show that women weren't dying at a higher rate than normal, I think that the lethality was like three in a million, which was deemed pretty effective or pretty safe relatively. Um, there was a heightened risk for septic abortion, Wonder how Florida would make that one illegal. Uh, And severe infections, severe uterine infections. Uh, In 1975, the FDA posted a study that supported that the Dalkin Shield increased the risk for septic pregnancy and infection, which caused the Dalkin Corporation to get slapped with as many as 300,000 lawsuit claims and led to the company uh, filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. One year later, the medical device amendments were added to the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, setting the same testing and approval rules for medical devices, uh, the likes of which were already required for drugs. Damn. So, 
What's the importance of today's episode? Why is it on a white-collar crime show? Well, the importance of this episode is that the drug manufacturing and development business here in America is an incredible driver for our economy. Which is why we don't have universal health care. Mm-hmm. And it creates a huge revenue for the country, and it employs an estimated 306,000 people. And it is simultaneously one of the most regulated in- industries in the country and in the world. We have talked about the need for more regulations in other industries, especially the financial industry or corporate structure. And often the pushback is that regulation is in the direct opposition of innovation or survivability for these companies in a capitalistic country. But pharmaceuticals are a good counter argument to that. Obviously, there are some problems in the industry that still needs attention, especially when it comes to pricing. Almost every other country has a price council where the government has a say in what their what the price should be for drugs, especially because they're and especially here in America, uh, the biggest purchaser of medications is the government through programs like Medicare and Medicaid, and it's built into the laws that they can't negotiate those prices, so they just pay for whatever. That's why medic. That's why Medicare fraud is so rampant. Uh, it needs to change. And we hope to avoid problems like the price gouging seen in the Pharma Bro episode with with Martin Shkreli as well. The prices are too high. What this episode isn't a flag to wave, what this episode isn't, is a flag to, to proclaim distrust in therapeutic products like vaccines. Well, I know we talked about some problems with medications today. This is not a platform to say, see, well, they're all the, bad. No, the reason we talked about them was because there wasn't regulation. And now regulation. And now we have regulation. Yeah, and the safety rate for drugs on the market now is a hell of a lot better when they were giving opium to babies, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but maybe they should bring back opium for adults. Hell know. yeah, fuck yeah. I want to be exactly against it. No, I'm not going to tell you yeah, that. You know, whatever. I'll do some opium. I'll find me a den. I'll do some opium. That's Hell fine. Hell yeah. Give me that cocaine with, I mean, give me that Coke with cocaine in it. That Coke with, yeah. I'll bring back the original recipe of make cocaine. America, make Coca-Cola classic great again. Yeah. Slap a MAGA hat on that thing. Hell yeah. We, we should could, get, should we get, just we say get we those hats? Make, actually, we can make that merch. <laughs> make make Coca, Coca-Cola great again. Make Coca-Cola great again. It's even their colors. Honestly. It is. That's it's why just, it would be like awesome, actually. This works. This works. We got to. Look we, for our new merch, you guys. Yeah, we got to go do something. We're, our, we're MACA hats. MACA hats. With two make C's. America, make Coke. Oh, wait. No. It's just. Macuka. Macuka. Macuka hats. Macuka hats. It'll be great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Uh, it's been <laughs> fun, question mark. You know, rough stories. Bro, you got to look okay. up these babies. They're fucked up. Stop making fun of the I'm babies. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just talking about You're it. You're making fun of the babies a little bit. No, I'm not. Look like, at how weird these babies look. No, look man, at their stupid little flipper arms. Wild. That's you right now. It's wild. It's you. It is pretty rough, though. Um, but yeah, so thank you for listening today. Uh, if you liked learning more during this episode, well, then why don't you give us some support? Yeah. You know, by giving us a giving us a like, giving us a, a subscribe, giving us a follow on whatever you're listening to right now. Bell. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're, we're those people now. Hit that notification bell wherever you're listening. Do something with it, right? Uh, leave a comment if you're on YouTube. Uh, if you're not on YouTube and you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, write a review. Tell us some nice things, huh? Give it. The, I don't know if you can use emojis. 
Put some emojis in there. I don't give a fuck what you do. All right. You should be able to. Yeah, sure. Puts it make make a review that's nothing but emojis. <laughs> All right. The, the more emoji pl- reviews we Honestly, get, the more happier I will be. Uh, what, what do we want is eggplant, 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 water droplets, water droplets, water droplets. Oh, please. Peach, gi- peach, peach. Please give us some thirsty emoji reviews. Yeah. Please do that. I would, I live, I live for this. Um, but you could do that. Uh, you can also follow us on our socials, right? Facebook.com slash white collars, red hands. Twitter, that's at white collars pod. Instagram at white collars underscore red hands uh, you can catch all the content on youtube video if you're watching on spotify you might be seeing our faces or you can head over to youtube make some connections all right uh data has shown that people connect more with podcasters when you can look in our eyes i guess look into my eyes all right so if you like if you like this stop you're seducing them no if you like uh, just stop being horny Stopping horny for one second. I Listen, can't. Not you, the people at home. They can't either. Well, it's just for one sec, subscribe to us. Everyone who wasn't watching the video, you're not going to get that joke. All right? So you can head over to YouTube. That's uh, white co- our channel's White Collar Shed Hands. Watch it all there as well. And uh, We'd love that. You can also check out our merch. Huh? Rock a rock a sweatshirt like Nine is rock, rocking right now. Look at me. Classic White Collar Shed Hands merch. Pick up, a, pick up a hoodie. Pick up a uh You know what? I've had this hoodie a long time. It's still looking good. And it's still soft. Still looking good. Still soft. Uh, Very warm. A mug, uh, tote bag, sticker. There's a bunch of stuff. Not that's, a beanie, though. That's a tea. Not a beanie. Sorry, okay? We'll get beanies at some point. Uh, that's over at Tea Public. The link to that is in the show description. Uh, or you can go to our website, whitecollarsredhands.com. Go to the checkout, our merch tab. Find it there. Check it out. While you're there, drop us a line. Listen to an episode. Do whatever you want. I'm not your dad. Um, but, could but he be. is your daddy. Damn it. The word's right out of my mouth. Right out of my mouth. Um, yeah, so I think that is that's everything. That sounds about right. That's everything. We oh, do this tell same. a friend. Every, Did oh, you yeah. say that? Oh, yeah, no. Tell a friend. Shout it. Shout it outside. Tell them all about uh, elixir sulfonilamide and how uh, drugs used to kill babies. And that there were babies in cages high. out on the skyscraper. Oh, yeah. Tell them about the baby cages. And then, you know, that'll naturally work you into uh, recommending this podcast. Do that. Uh, to all of your friends and family and anyone who uh, will listen to you and your mad ravings. So I think that is it. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Red Hands.